Hey guys, welcome to Urban Connect Podcast. My name is Caleb Reed. I'm here with uh, my friend Stephen Frankie and our special guest, Ryan Thurman. Hey, thanks for joining us again. Excited to dive in and to uh, learn more about our special guest. So Stephen, why don't you go ahead and introduce him for us? Yeah, so there's a lot to say about Ryan Thurman, uh, but he is currently the International Director of Antioch Network. Uh, founding member of Apprenticeship to Jesus, or A2J. Um, He also has this much bigger responsibility, a father, a husband, uh, which is awesome. His wife, Nolene, does amazing photography um, online. And um, how long have you been married for? 18 years on uh, the uh, the 11th of January. Wow. He has four kids, two boys, two girls. They're amazing, and they go on adventures all over the world. Uh, but we're so thankful to have him. I've known Ryan for a while now. Uh, he's been a blessing to the ministry that God's called us to by helping us get Bibles for Christmas in Garfield and different Christmas events that we do, um, and just always, always, always encouraging. So we're thankful to have you. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. Uh, I think the first thing we wanted to talk about was just, we have a couple of questions for you. So uh, a couple of years ago, Ryan, you invited me to a prayer meeting at your house in downtown Phoenix. I'm sure you remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the room was filled with, with what I can only describe as God's heroes in your living room. Can you describe that network and the importance of that group? Yeah, that was some of the Antioch Network family. And we are dispersed around the world doing different kingdom initiatives, but we try to gather at least once a year to be together so that we can strengthen our friendship, but also a high value of of hearing from God together in the context of prayer and sharing what God's doing in our lives, and also learning from one another, kind of this cross-pollinization. What can we learn, how God is teaching each one of us in our different unique contexts? So that was one of those gatherings, and yeah, Antioch Network is an organization that um, I've had the privilege of being part of for almost 16 years. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this network of leaders who have said yes to Jesus. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this group is just the diversity, the diversity within generations, the diversity within the different nations that are represented, and also the diversity, even the Christian traditions that they come from. And so a lot of the leaders, um, to me and to my wife, uh, really are like spiritual parents, spiritual big brothers, and they have uh, walked with us uh, in, in ways that have shaped the course of our life. And one of the things that I've really been touched by is especially the, the older leaders in the faith, how they're finishing well, because it's a real rare thing today to see leaders in whatever different venue, whether it's in politics or civics or in Uh, kind of Christian ministries to finish well is a really rare thing because of all the challenges that we face. But Antioch Network is blessed with a lot of leaders who are doing that in their 70s and 80s who are are still kind of pressing into Jesus, pressing into the mission that God's called them. And I just love being around them. They've taught me a lot. Yeah. And I I know we had talked about it earlier, but Young Life, that's where you got your start. Mm -hmm. I think you attended Fuller. Um, theological seminary, got your bachelor's, I think, in religious studies at ASU. Shortly after that, you become an associate pastor at a church. Uh, You just, it seems like you got right into ministry, but tell us even your start. Like, how did you get your start? How did God just grow inside you? Yeah, that's a great question. Always trying to figure out (laughs) how much to to say into that. You know, I I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my, My father actually moved here from Michigan with us to help start a Christian radio station, Family Life Radio, and grew up at a, a wonderful, yeah, wonderful no way. local yeah, church, awesome. Open Door Fellowship, that was a, a wonderful community that nurtured me, um, taught me the principles of, of what it means to, to love Jesus, the principles of grace, um, and just a, a wonderful environment. And then also, I, I came across Young Life when I was in high school. Uh, I went to Central High School, and at that time, there wasn't a, a Young Life club there. But fortunately, my youth pastor, Billy Thrall, give him a shout out, uh, great guy, great friend. He was the youth pastor at Open Door Fellowship, but he was also helping out with the Washington High School Young Life. So he kind of invited uh, some of us from the youth group to go to Young Life. 
and fell in love with it and uh, kind of just really went hard into that. Um, it really helped shape me. And then when I graduated high school and went into college, I had the opportunity to be a volunteer leader uh, for Young Life. And then, you know, I was at ASU, as you mentioned, I was getting two different degrees, uh, religious studies, but also political science. But my job to pay for school was working at United Parcel Service. I would wake up at two in the morning and Ooh. go into uh, the warehouse and throw boxes around. And then I would go straight to school. And it was really taxing, but it really was a, a great job, a great place to kind of learn character. And it, it, it was funny. And it was also great because you're working so close to people. I was kind of known as the preacher because you're working side by side with just people who, young people who are kind of trying to figure it out and always kind of asking questions about life. So it was a great opportunity. And then I actually went into driving part-time for United Parcel Service. And when I graduated from college, I had the connection to go driving full-time or to go into human resources and could have made a lot of money doing that. But I also had the option to go on staff with Young Life and make a quarter of what I could have made <laughs> at UPS. And I had to ask people to give me that money. Yeah. So it was this real, for me, a, a, a crucial point that I don't think I had the language for it then, but it, there was a sense that, of course, God was in both choices. But for me, this opportunity to go into full-time ministry uh, it felt like an opportunity to depend in God in a different way. And it also, I felt God in, really invited me into a life of wonder, a life of adventure, a life of what he could do if I kept saying yes. And I said yes. And really that decision then has really set the tone for my whole life. In some ways, I, I feel like, you know, uh, Forrest Gump, who by saying yes to Jesus, I've been given these amazing opportunities that I, I could have never dreamed that I would have been able to have. And that was kind of that, that key moment, saying yes to Jesus, going into vocational ministry at age 21. That's cool. That's, uh, man, I, you, you, we started talking about the Antioch Network and how you're talking about, you know, leaders establishing this opportunity for people to finish strong and and I think about just you sharing there in the beginning years of God calling you and, and you know, I can relate to some of those things of, of raising money and, and, and having to raise your support as a, as a young uh, missionary or, or somebody going into to missions. And uh, tell us how that kind of put, put this foundation under your, your life and, and how that's helped you to move forward, you know. I think about just the hard work and, and kind of the grit that goes into doing that. You know, how has that helped propel you forward? You know, raising finances is uh, very difficult on a, on a different level, on many levels. And that's something that I've been doing for uh, more than 20 years in, in different ways. Um, throughout those times, I've been bivocational and sometimes had two or three different jobs as well as the ministry I was doing. You know, it's whatever it takes to provide for my family and still feel like I'm able to do the things God's calling me to do. But there is a real um, faith thing that is, is tangible because I think we live, especially as Americans, under these illusions that um, we are self-reliant, that we can take care of ourselves and the reality is at any moment, you could have that car crash mm -hmm. that could change your life dramatically and change your ability to take care of yourself uh, financially, physically, all those things. But when you're living on raising support, it's a different level of if God doesn't show up, you know, you're not going to get a paycheck this month. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's a faith in God and it's a commitment to prayer and trusting but there is this hard work element. You have to go out there and mm -hmm. you have to be able to, um, with, with the humility, but also a, a confidence, like this is what God has called me to do with a clarity and a passion and communicate that vision. And in doing so, it's incredible how others want to be uh, part of it because that's, that's the, the, the mystery and the beauty of the body of Christ. Some go, some, are, some send, some support, 
and there's just all these different ways. And there's a lot of people who they just love giving financially because they can't go to the same places that some of us were able to go. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I can relate where there's times in, in my early years where I would, you know, like you said, you go without a paycheck sometimes and, and then you, that, that takes that trust in that, that, uh, that trust in the Lord so much, uh, more and, and also, um, you mentioned young life and, and working with young life. It's really cool. Cause, um, was Steve and I were talking earlier today was how we have a mutual friend that I believe you helped lead him to the Lord. And, um, his name's Tyler. And, and I met Tyler through Steven. Um, he was a part of your small group, I believe, uh, for a number of years, but, um, it's just really cool. Just how, you know, God just connects and, and it's this bigger picture. But when we step down and we see all of that's happening, you know, inside the big picture, it's just, there's this network of people just doing and listening to the, to the voice of God. And, and it's just really cool. I think it was at the Christmas event a couple of years ago where we made that connection and Tyler was there and, and you're like, He's like, hey, I know that guy. He's like, he led me to the Lord. And mm-hmm. so it's really, I think really we cool. introduced Tyler to him. Like, hey, this is Tyler. And you're like, yeah, I know. That was so special. Yeah. That was so special. That's so cool. Because you get to invest in poor in people's lives and you don't always get to see the fruit of it or what happens. And then yeah. when God does kind of bring those relationships back, it's it's so powerful. It's really yeah. rewarding. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, for me on a personal level, uh, my daughter and your daughter were, uh, classmates for a year or so over here at uh, one of the schools in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, my Madison still talks about those times and I know your daughter's been to some of the birthday parties and and different things like that. And just, you never know when our paths are going to cross, but you always know that when they do cross, they're, they're special. Yeah. Right. I like Ryan, how you had gone into just depending on God. And that's in America. Sometimes it's tough. Everybody has their retirement savings accounts, 401k. I feel like a lot of people miss out on that, just the dependability and trusting in him for, for everything. So can you describe, maybe there's an example or, or, or in some case where God has done that in just a profound way in your life, where it's, where you just know that's the way you need to leave, live your life is just this full dependence on him. Hmm. Yeah, we think of think of some stories. Yeah. Um, you know, I think over the years, there's been these moments where um, there's a subtle difference that we make between looking to God to meet our needs and looking to others to meet our needs. Yeah. And it can look like the same, but it, but it's very different because looking to different people to meet our needs you kind of have a real focus, like a plan, like this, for example, again, in, in the area of support raising, like, oh, I've got this uncle who is really well off and I can, it just, of course, he's going to be a, a huge financial partner or I've got this great relationship with his church. And of course they're want to, they're going to want to get behind me. And what happens there is you begin to put your focus on that person or on mm-hmm. those people. And instead, when we begin to say, God, you're the only one who can meet my needs. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I surrender my desire to control it and figure it out. And when we do that, it's amazing how God surprises us with how he meets our needs. And it's not just financially. It's how he meets our needs emotionally, our needs for friendship, our needs for belonging. It's so easy to get fixated on a certain idea or path that we think will be the way that's done instead of just allowing getting out of the way and allowing God to do it. So over the years, yeah, things have just one year, um, a young life connection that we had many years ago, they had an amazing year uh, in real estate and they wrote us a $16,000 check. And we had no, that wasn't on our radar to even ask them. And it just happened. Another year, a friend started kind of like a, it wasn't a dot-com, but it was a a gaming uh, business and made a lot of money. And again, wrote us a $32,000 check. Wow. And so it's, it's those kind of moments that it's like, wow, only you could do that God. And it's kind of been the story over the years of seeing how God surprises you when you keep your eyes on him and not on 
um, our own ability to try to figure it out. That's good. That's awesome. It's good. It's cool. Got me. Got me wanting to move forward. <laughs> so, um, well, let's uh, let's kind of shift gears, I guess, a little bit here, and and um, you know, you, you've got all these connections. You're you're part of the Antioch network, and and worked, you know, with Young Life and, and all those places for years and, and apprenticeship to Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, I remember, I was probably on Facebook, Instagram a few years ago, I see this picture of you standing, was it in the Vatican, with the Pope, like, over your shoulder? Mm-hmm. Like, you could have turned around and probably hugged him. You might have gotten tackled. But, yeah. uh, but, uh. <laughs> Was you that know, photoshopped? Like, no, no. He is good with photos. I've seen <laughs> yeah, some of his yeah, work. No, 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 it wasn't. Yeah, it was funny because uh, I was in a situation where a lot of uh, the friends that I was with, uh, we were with the John 17 group, and the Pope gave us this amazing opportunity. And I can say more of that, but one of the things he did is he actually allowed us to take, you know, selfies with him. And so a lot of my friends are, are, are getting that done and I'm trying to get out of the way, but I end up being in the back of their photo and I keep getting these messages. Why are you in the back of these, why are you photobombing these, uh, <laughs> these photo ops with Pope Francis? But it's interesting. We had this opportunity during the year that my family was living overseas. So I really haven't had a lot of opportunities to talk about this, this experience. And so it's kind of, kind of fun, fun to share. Um, yeah, you know, the connection really with, with Pope Francis was the work we were doing with, with John 17, uh, bringing Christians together around uh, what does it look like to be one in Jesus? You know, Jesus' prayer in John 17, you know, he was passionate that his followers would be one and that they would be known by their love for one another so that the world would see God and would be able to celebrate that. Yet the reality is there's so much division, and mm. that is not only a current problem, but that's a historic problem to the point that, you know, for, for many, many years, Christians didn't not only not partner together and be unkind to each other, they actually murdered each other, they actually killed each other. And Pope Francis has a real heart to see the Christian denominations come together in a common purpose to... Um, to, yeah, to, to see Jesus as Lord and to see our common call to make disciples and to go out. Uh, he has this beautiful image of um, this idea of like the hospital as the church is a hospital going out into the world, not trying to have people come to us, but going out to the neediest places and being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so actually, I had the opportunity to shake Pope Francis' hand four different times in four different meetings. Huh. And it was, it was life-changing because he was such a down-to-earth, humble guy who loved the Lord. And he gave us this space as Protestant leaders to just sit with him. We sang together. We got to ask him all kinds of questions, hard questions, you know, questions about doctrine, questions about the different scandals. And just he he didn't shy away from answering our questions. He answered them uh, humbly and authentically. And it, it was one of those moments that you just kind of pinch yourself, is this real? And another side part of that is my wife and our kids got to be in one of those meetings uh, to, to meet Pope Francis. And one of the kickers that I think is really funny is they had the Golden Jubilee, which was celebrating kind of the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church. So they had 100,000 pilgrims from all around the world in this outdoor event. And here's Pope Francis on the stage with about 25 um, different leaders from around the world. And there's 12 or 15 of us from not only John 17, but some of us from the Antioch Network. And one of the, the friends of John 17, uh, she used to be Pope Francis's personal secretary. He, she went to Pope Francis and said, Ryan, Ryan, let him be in the front row because he has a key role in the Ministry of Reconciliation. Wow. And Goodness. that was so humbling. <laughs> but, but here's the thing that is so real 
is at the same time that was happening where I felt God affirming me in this ministry of reconciliation, at the same time I was feeling marginalized from one of the key groups that I was working with to do reconciliation. Hmm. So try to figure that out. Yeah. You know, I, and it just shows that, that, that tension where at times um, you're lifted to places where you never expected by just saying yes to Jesus. But it doesn't mean it doesn't come without suffering and without being um, stepped on or passed over or whatever it is because both are the reality of what it means to follow Jesus because that was Jesus' story. At times he was celebrated and run to and other times he was like, yeah. yeah, spit mm -hmm. on, nothing, mm -hmm. don't do anything with him. And so that mm -hmm. too is, is what it means to follow Jesus. Wow. That's, good. that's awesome. I, I can tell that that's an impactful moment in his life. Ryan just came alive out of his chair. Like <laughs> you can, might be able to see it in the video, but like, but obviously like that, that, that moment in, in your life was, was a moment where you saw God move and, and, and heard his voice and, and, and who cooler to hear it through than, you know, the Pope and being in that environment. That that's amazing. That's, that's cool. Because it, yeah. it, I think that's right, because it, it really hits a core um, part of my story. And, and part of my story is when I was doing Young Life, I had um, students who were Roman Catholic. Hmm. And even at a young, even at in a, a young adult, there was a sen intuitive sense that said, why are we divided? I went, I was around my, my evangelical friends and they were like bashing Catholics. Catholics aren't really Christians, they're going to hell, all these things, and vice versa. And yet there was, there was this sense even at, at that age to say, no, that there has to be a common ground. There has to be a sense of learning from one another. So I would go to the Catholic church with the students that I was working with because I, I wanted to understand their world. But a painful thing happened to me. I wanted to meet um, the, 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 the priest of that parish and kind of introduce myself, tell him that I was doing Young Life and that I wanted to work together with him. And I did that. And to, at the very least, there was, this, there was this distance from this priest that made me feel like I, I, I don't belong. It's not mm. possible to work with him. And it was, it was a deep wounding to me. And it wasn't many years later that I was doing church planning and kind of refugee work and humanitarian work in Bosnia and had just gone through this horrific war where neighbors killed neighbors mm. because of their last name, because they were a Muslim or a Catholic or an Orthodox. And I was in this beautiful city called Mostar that was divided by this emerald green river called the Neretva River. And on the uh, west side were the Roman Catholics and the east side were the Muslims. Hmm. And I was working with an evangelical Christians with the Muslims. But the evangelicals and the Catholics would not have anything to do with each other. Hmm. They would not work together. And more than that, they were at odds. They were, they were warring with each other. And it was this pain because you just knew that God's heart was breaking, that people who claimed to follow the same Jesus mm. were treating each other as enemies. And it was also a, a deep grievance because you know, like, what is life when it's called reconciliation and unity in Christ is being in touch with the pain that God feels that God feels over his people that are divided, his people that are mistreating each other. And to feel that pain can catalyze this real desire to see change happen. And when you come across people like Pope Francis who are using their positions um, for good and to champion that call of reconciliation and humility, it just, it's, it's so rewarding. Okay, so I just had a conversation with one of my friends a few days ago, uh, specifically speaking to Joseph uh, in his story. When he's a young teenage boy, God gives him this vision of 
you know, hay bales bowing down to him and the sun and the, and the stars bowing down to him. God gives him this vision that's going to happen and describing the rest of his family. Mm-hmm. And it takes, I mean, 15, 16 years maybe before those things come into fruition. And he's mm-hmm. the governor of Egypt. And you can only imagine like all the things that transpired during that time, like he was a slave mm-hmm. in Egypt mm-hmm. and, you know, just working his way up. But how many times did he think, oh my goodness, you know, what was that? What was that vision, God? And, and really, you know, I don't know, being upset about it or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but it's amazing, especially you talking about early on with Young Life and God giving you this opportunity to work with these Catholic kids. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and just to see, I, I don't know if it's like the posturing of your heart, Ryan, or, or what it is, but there's something about that where he's like, okay, this, he's, He's one that's willing to cross the lines, that's going to throw away the sacred cows, you know, Mm -hmm. that you probably were brought up with Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, and I, same thing, my, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, but my dad grew up Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so he had plenty of bad things to say about the Catholic church. And and you just grow up around that. And it's amazing when you can, in a sense, God brings you to this point where you free yourself from that. And you're like, no, this, Mm -hmm. are you kidding me? Those are God's children. Like he, created them in the womb. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. And, right. and how God uses that later on, fast forward, you know, 15, 20 years later, Ryan, and you're meeting with the Pope. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and I think it's, it's more than just, okay, you were connected with this movement, right? And with these individuals, and that's how God got you there. I think it was just everything, you know, mm-hmm. God uses everything and all those experiences. Um, but it, the nature of it, instead of just being like, okay, I'm here, for this platform, it's more like, no, God, you birthed this in me 20 years ago, a couple of decades earlier, uh, to make a difference right here, right now. It's fun. It's really cool. That's exactly right. And a real quick story in between that wounding that I had, um, again, I I don't hold any, any anger towards this priest because I think that's all he knew. That's what he was taught Mm -hmm. and he was just doing what he knew. But years later, Uh, I'm in Germany with some of our Antioch network friends and we're there around a movement of repentance. Um, You guys may know that the founders of Antioch network, George and Hannah Miley, Hannah Miley is a a Holocaust survivor. She was put on a kinder train at age eight, rescued, sent to England, and for so many years just hated everything about Germany because there's so much pain. They they took everything from her. The Nazis took everything from her. They, They murdered her parents. They took her family land, they took her identity. And so there's just deep, deep hatred until, you know, at her late teens or early 20s, she went to a Billy Graham um, event and heard the message of the gospel. And God met with her. And through that process, this journey of healing, where she was at a place where God removed that hatred and that anger towards Germans and began actually to put a burden and love for the German people. And she returned to Germany and kept returning with this message of forgiveness that Jesus alone can give the power to forgive, hmm. to love your enemies. And in that, it's, it's transformed um, her home region and just this powerful movement of reconciliation because of one choice to say, yes, Jesus, I will allow you to give me the strength to forgive and to receive your healing. But I was there for this prayer meeting and part of the, the participants were these two Catholic sisters. They weren't officially nuns, but they lived in like a common home together and they had a ministry there. And they were probably at that point in their 70s and they were charismatic. And I didn't know much about that. Charismatic <laughs> and Catholic at that point was like, that was a, dis, a dissonance. Like, what is it like? How, how does that work? But the thing that struck me at their age was their joy, was their childlikeness. You know, one of the things I think Jesus says is to to become childlike is this really beautiful thing that can happen where we become less and less self-focused, less and less um, kind of just worried about what others think. And you just become at home in what it means to be human. You become home at what it means to belong to God. And there's this childlike trust, but more than there's this childlike wonder and joy that is just contagious. And I was drawn to them, but at the same time, I was, but, but Catholics hurt me. I had this wounding experience. But God somehow led them during one of the prayer times 
to take me aside and to pray over me in a way that God used these two Catholic sisters through them responding to what Jesus was putting on their heart to pray over me in a way that healed that wound and gave me a new openness to my Catholic brothers and sisters. So just another way, like when we say yes to Jesus, it's amazing how he orchestrates our lives and brings people at the right moments to be his instruments of guidance, but also healing. That's great. Great. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying not to be distracted. I have a little bit of technical difficulties here, but uh, friends on the podcast, we're newbies to this. Uh, according to Gen Z, we're noobs. So, uh, but uh, we'll get things uh, uh, rolling here before too long. But um, man, that's, that's encouraging. I, um, man, I am just, I don't know, hearing your stories and, and I wish everybody could sit here with us and see you just, your face like lights up when you're telling these things of these experiences, um, that you've had. And, uh, it's funny cause in, in an earlier podcast with just the two of us, Stephen, we were talking about just this desire to see the church come together yep. and Ryan, you played a big role in that and, and have played a big role in that. And, um, you know, we talk about things that we do here in the Garfield neighborhood or, or wherever and in the city. And it's like, we unite under, one common person and that's Jesus. And I've been to some of the conferences that you've been a part of and, and I see, you know, Catholics rubbing elbows with who knows Baptists and, and, uh, Pentecostals and, and, and everybody coming together because we can agree on, on one thing and and that's Jesus. And, And that's, I love that. I grew up in central Ohio where, you know, yeah, I'm sure I probably cracked a few jokes back in the day about Catholics and, and, um, you know, I no longer see it that way or no longer desire to see those things and that division. And that's all that kind of stuff does. But, um, yeah, man, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it's amazing too. I mean, this is Ryan and Ryan's role and what God's doing through Ryan and others for this specific ministry. But you think about those that are bringing Christ to the Muslims there's a whole group of people that God is moving through to do that, you know, and if when you go over to places in Southeast Asia and, and Buddhism is, is, is rampant, it's everywhere, just to know that Christ is sending missionaries like to there to, again, same thing, like let's come together. Uh, and it, it's not just when you look at religions, uh, Ryan, it's also something, you know, just some of the social issues that we have right now, you know, whether it's homosexuality, there's just so many things that we can put these dividing lines up. And here we just know that Christ is there just to tear them down. And he's like, love them. You know, don't, don't be in this position where you're high and mighty, like get down on their level and just let them know who they are in me, who Mm -hmm. they were created to be. Um, And it's such a powerful thing. And I, I believe that's where the Holy spirit lives. He's just like right there. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, this is where I want to be, you know, right in those moments when we're, when we're willing to just say, Hey, this is a little uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to step forward in this because I know it's your leading God. Right. That's when the power of God is at hand and you see it. And it's, it's cool. We get giddy. We get giddy over (laughs) these. I mean, we do. I mean, it's just so much fun because it's right down our Avenue and, and, especially with times the way they are right now there's there's a lot going on a lot has gone on in the last year that we can look at and just be like man i i don't know i see the fingerprints of evil you know all over this um but at the same time you're just you look for that dawn that's after the darkest part of the night right Mm -hmm. and you're just like all right god what are you going to do through this a lot of people hate a lot of people right now Mm -hmm. but how are you going to break that to where people are just in tears Mm -hmm. you know and just break down before him and just say it's you, Lord. You've been in this all the time, you know. And this this brother here, this sister, they're amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. They're extremely artistic. They're a beautiful person, you know. It's it's fun. It's cool. It's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Where do we go from here? Uh, I know. I feel like every if people are listening, they're going to be like, "Can we just continue on with this?" But we do have other things. That we <laughs> no, need. I don't. I don't. Yeah. My my questions disappeared. So. Did they? <laughs> Well, we want to talk about postmodern pulpit. I think that's really important. Um, uh, Aimright Ministries is definitely one of your clients, which is really awesome. And you guys are doing websites and you're doing it extremely well. 
Can you talk a little bit about that? I know a lot of the people that are connected to us, the hymn ministries themselves, were, we were connected with churches, with faith-based nonprofits all over the valley and the country. Um, so tell us more about that and, and just the service that it is to all these organizations. Yeah, please. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to share about that. You know, I've always been really attracted to the idea as Christians being called to create beauty, to create things that display um, God's wonder, display who he is in his fullness. And to, I've also been attracted to kind of the different monastic movements throughout history who've had this call to a life of prayer, study, and service, and yet how they've found ways to uh, be self-sustainable so that they can care for themselves. And so whether they were painting icons or making honey or making beer, they found ways to create things mm -hmm. for the common good, but also was a way for them to live. And so for, for me, who's involved in vocational ministry, I'm always trying to think through how can I become co-vocational? How can I do things that I'm passionate about that are for the common good and can help others, but also can provide for my family? And that's kind of what my wife does as a doula. She loves being a birth doula, a photographer. We actually sell some of our photography because it's mm -hmm. creating beauty. But, and then tied that into postmodern pulpit is one of the biggest pains I've had um, with Antioch Network specifically is the challenge to communicate effectively who we are and what we do. And the reality is we're a small organization and don't have a lot of resources. So we basically have gone through different um, cycles of websites from really bad to bad to okay. <laughs> and it just was driving me crazy because we didn't have $15,000 to get a design website and we didn't have the resources for a, a communication team within our ministry to, to help in this area. And so I felt this pain personally and then I've got a friend, uh, Luke, who had this idea for creating uh, affordable, amazing websites for ministries and nonprofits, but really from that position of we want to have a special kind of focus and compassion for the smaller ones. The, the, we'll work with them, of course, but we're little guys ourselves, and so we're always going to feel this affinity for the little guy, for those that are under-resourced. And so when he had this idea, I said, I want to be part of that because right away I know something like this can help me and my hat I'm wearing with Antioch Network, not only for Antioch Net Network's website, but Antioch Network really is this um, family of leaders and the ministries they're leading. And so this service that Postman Pulpit could help all of the different ministries that are part of, part of Antioch Network. And so that was kind of like this vision of hey, how can we take this really felt need that churches and ministries have of saying, I want to focus on being with people, loving people, serving people. I don't want the headache of oh. trying to create a website, update a website, try to figure out the best practices to communicate to the people God's called me to, to care for. I want someone else to show me how to do that, or even better yet, to do some of that for me. Oh. And so that's really... Our passion is we want to free up pastors and ministry leaders to do the things that are most important, and that's being with the people they're called to love and serve. And so we want to take that burden from them and do it in a way that's professional and excellent, but also from a pastoral side of saying, hey, we're all ministry people ourselves, so we get it. We understand the struggles of pastors and mission workers because that's the world we live in. So because of that, there's, there's an extra empathy, but also a knowledge of really knowing what the need is and how to meet it most effectively. But again, we have a pastoral heart saying, hey, we don't want to just do a service for you. We want to pray for you. We want to be available to you, not just for your website needs, but any needs you have. And I think that has been the biggest joy is the relationships we're building, the different partners we get to serve. That's the goal for me is the relational piece of it. I feel like, Caleb, you have to share your story. Right? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, that's good. I mean, you know, that's, it's been, it, it's fulfilled a need that we've had and we've been missing for, for several years. And um, a, 
unfortunately, we were one of those organizations that put out a bunch of money um, to to get what we have now, and and we're happy with it. And uh, um, man, I would I would put this organization out there as one of the best here in the city, and and people that are going to come alongside and, and help you build a website. Um, but then, you know, you reached out to me probably about a year after we went through that process. And I'm like, man, like, wish we would have known about this before. But um, it really has been from the first time we had a conversation. I think Luke was on that conversation. And um, then we set everything up and, and decided this is something we want to move forward with. And, and you mentioned that you all have a pastor's heart. Um, and I can truly like confirm that in, in a way that every time that Luke and I have scheduled a meeting and we get a phone call or a Zoom call or something like that, he's always there to listen. Mm-hmm. And I've only talked to Luke maybe five times on the phone, but from the beginning, I could tell that he was investing in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, I wasn't just a client. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just a um, somebody who pays a monthly fee for your services, but I was a person. We were an organization that he won, wanted to get to know and learn more about and how he could better serve and help us move forward with uh, a component that, again, like you mentioned, I don't have the time. I would love to learn that stuff, but man, I'm not even sure this podcast is going to come out, (laughs) Um, let alone like learning how to, you know, I can log into my dashboard for my website, but from there I can't do anything. And, and just having that peace of mind um, that you guys are there. And I love that, I love the why behind it, you know? Why are we here? Um, why are we sitting in this room? Why are we all leaders of ministries and, and wanting to, to go out into the neighborhood? It's, it's because we wanna be closer to Jesus. Yeah. And we want other people to experience that. And your why behind starting this business is to help others. Mm-hmm was something that you had missing. And I think that that just goes to, I'm, I'm seeing a theme here of just reconciliation and unity and bringing together. And um, because of you guys and because of Modern Pulpit, I've been able to, to share with friends mm-hmm. and, and another, another guy who's well-connected in the, the valley here and, and he's able to push it out and, and hopefully get you guys more business and, and you know help this thing grow to, to whatever you want it to be. But mm-hmm. um, I am. I, I have that peace of mind. Um, I'm working on trying to get, I've, I'm about a week behind trying to get some stuff to Luke. And, um, so I got to go home tonight and keep working on (laughs) it. So, (laughs) but, um, yeah, great to hear that it was a a good fit for you guys and a blessing for you. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely if you're listening to the podcast, whether you are a pastor of a small church, um, maybe you run a nonprofit, maybe you're wanting to start something, um, check out postmodernpulpit.com mm-hmm. um, and go see. Uh, one of the other things I thought was really cool is, is one of the things you guys try to do is like rebuild the website, bring a freshness to it every couple of years. And, and I think there's, there's just so much good that can come out of that and helping us spread the word of what God's doing. Yeah. That's good. So what's so what's next ryan what's next for the thermans what's next ministry wise what's on the horizon yeah it's good question you know we're in a season of life that yeah it's 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 challenging i think for all of us this year we've been through has just been painful it's been um, just a sense of loss on, on, on many levels, the loss of human interaction, the loss of human lives and friends. And really, in some ways, a, a lot of temptation to despair or be overwhelmed with all of the negative stories and the negative publicity of, that is just kind of highlighting um, all of the mess that we find ourselves in today. So I feel like I'm personally coming from a season of just um, worn down and also uh, this key place of someone who's, you know, in, in their mid-40s, you know, trying to figure out what are the different decades of life look like and specifically in ministry, how do you navigate it? And this is a, a crucial time, I think, for, for me personally where a lot of the things that I thought I knew 
or could trust or even things that I feel like uh, have been failures or things that have um, just brought a lot of pain. Like, how do, I, how do I keep going towards Jesus? And how do I keep going towards others and staying alive uh, in my relationship with God? Because one of the things I struggle with personally is um, I don't feel like I'm the most gifted person in a lot of ways. I feel like what I've always been able to bring to the work I do is simply an intimacy with Jesus, a love for Jesus, and, and being loved by Jesus in a way that changes me, in a way that is hopefully compelling to others. But when you go through seasons, what, like I've come out of, where I felt like I haven't felt close to Jesus, I haven't felt inspired or envisioned per se, and I feel like, kind of like Moses, you know, when, when, the, when the glory was fading from his face, he wanted to cover his face. He didn't want people to see that that radiance from God was fading. And I feel like that's kind of been my temptation is, like, I, I know that I don't, I don't have that same passion. I don't have that same intimacy with Jesus. And, I'm, and I want to hide I, I, because I feel, I feel inadequate. I feel like that's all I, that's, that's all I bring to the game. <laughs> is this love and intimacy with Jesus. And when it's not there, I feel like I have nothing to offer. And so for me, it's navigating, what do I do during those seasons of life with God? How can I still get up every day and do the things that I'm called to do in my work, in my family, when I don't have the feelings or the passion? And so that's kind of been my season these past couple of years. And the other thing is, you know, in your 30s, which you guys are in, you know, for me at least, it was this. It, it, yeah, it was this. You, you, you put so much energy into establishing a family, establishing yourself financially, establishing, establishing your vocation, all these things where you get, we get our identity from, right? And uh, a sense of purpose, a sense of worth. And they energize us to, to, to keep doing things and to do work. But what I found is, as I begin to really become free of those pulls to make money or to establish a name for myself and what I do, then I really had to begin to say, then what does motivate me? Yeah. Because if I'm really honest, those things motivated me a lot. But as I became free of those things, or another way to say that, as I became disillusioned in putting my hope or really seeing those things as idols that would never satisfy I let go of them, but in letting go, I found like, well, where's my energy come from? Where's my mm. passion? Where's my motivation come from? And I would have hoped that it was from the love of God alone and this intimate relation with Jesus, but I was found wanting in that area. Mm. And again, when, I think it's hard for anyone, but especially people in Christian leadership or Christian ministries mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and say like, I'm empty. I'm dry and I, I want to hide and I want to put a veil over my face so you don't see that I'm really struggling. So that's kind of more a, a personal sharing of where I've been at kind of emotionally and even spiritually over the years, over these past couple of years. But I think where I'm at now is strengthened by the gift of God who pursues us. This invitation of Jesus to be his friend and that he doesn't give up on his friends. Even when his friends give up on him or betray him, he still is a friend. Mm. And I feel like I found such strength in Jesus as a friend, but also how he's given me solid friends, a group of guys, a, a Danny Malakowski and a, a Jeff Skeens and a John Dahuse, these group of guys that um, in my hardest days, they kept loving me. They kept speaking truth. They kept sharing their lives with me, and they, they accepted me where I was at. And I think because of that, um, it's given me the strength to kind of persevere these, uh, this difficult season I've been in. And so now I enter 2021 with actually a lot of hope and some renewed sense of my heart mm. coming alive again and renewed passion and vision. And that's the mercy of God. That's the gift of God. That's the grace of God. And I'm really thankful for that. I, I really hope everybody caught it.
Like there, there's a, a point in there. I think for a, a lot of young people, especially, they're they're searching for like that pastor opportunity. Maybe they're they just finished seminary, possibly, and they're looking for that, or or different areas of success even within ministry that the world would see as success. And you just bringing it back to just an intimacy with God, like that's the focus, and that's where all of that comes from. Is just from just getting to that point with Him. I think it, it it's special. I mean, it really is. But it's it's so undervalued, and it's the most ridiculous thing because it carries all the value in the world, mm. you know. And I I appreciate you saying that, and also being humble at the same time, and saying that maybe it's. Yeah, because I feel the same uh, for sure, especially over the last year, almost like this spiritual dryness and and taking so much responsibility for it and almost carrying guilt, you know, mm. and it's just uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've just cried out to the Holy Spirit and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sick of it. And mm. I, I feel like it's a lie <laughs> mm. uh, because I see him actively in work in my life, in my life, my family's life, my friends' lives. Um, it's just such a wonderful thing, but I'm like you, you focus on the future. Like, all right, God, I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat, you know, in anticipation of what you have, uh, on the horizon, but just to know that it's all grounded and rooted in intimacy with him. Mm. Like just walk with him, Mm. be, make that enough to just be his son, to Mm. not just be on this to-do list, right? To do, but to be, uh, it's special. Mm. That's right. I'm encouraged. Mm. That's good. I'm ready. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can relate. I mean, I feel like I'm in a season where, you know, in the last five, six years here, you know, just where I went from being youth pastor of, of the organization here of the ministry and then stepped into this executive director role and growing into that. And, and, but I was wearing all these hats, like you've been sharing and, and, um, and recent, uh, we've got we've got a team of five young adults working with us right now. I don't have to show up to any programs if I don't want to, and but I found myself as we delegate, as we hand things out, I find myself like struggling with what do I do, and and when I reflect back, um, I found I found my identity in teaching on a Friday night or leading this small group or, or doing those kinds of things, and and and. Of course, I trusted and relied on Jesus in those moments, but yet when I'm in this moment, I'm like, is that where I'm, am I trusting Jesus for now? And um, you, know, you were sharing about uh, Moses putting the veil over, like, I just, like, all these things kind of flashed to my mind of, like, what is that veil that I put over, you know? And it's, for me, it's busyness, because I'm like, well, if I'm busy, looks like I'm doing something and, and people are going to be like, oh man, they're, they're doing a lot for the kingdom. And, mm-hmm. and, and we can kind of hide in that, but, um, you know, like I'm ready to, to wrap up this conversation and go home and hang out with my family because, right. you know, this is, it's a new season for us. It's something I share with some leaders today that, uh, as a family, we've been praying for this mm-hmm. and like, God, just give us this season where we can be with each other and, mm-hmm. and don't have to be running here and running there. And I'm like, now we have it, but now I don't know what the heck to do with it. You know, like, and, and, and I catch myself thinking is like, was I really praying that this would happen? Or was I just praying it to, to make other people think I'm a good person, you know, like, and so I don't want to miss that moment. I don't want to miss this season that God's given us. And so thank you for that. That's encouraging. Um, I think as leaders, when we hear other people and, people that have gone before us and and there's not that big of an age gap between all of us here, but, uh, but those that have gone before us and hearing that from you, that's just encouraging that now I just need to sit in the presence of God, sit in the presence of the Holy spirit and allow him to work and move in my life. And, um, whether I'm teaching a Bible study, hanging out with my kids or just simply being, um, I'll be fulfilled, right. I'll, 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 uh, that's where my identity comes is, is through Jesus. And so yeah. cool, man. Well, as we kind of just wrap it up here, uh, Ryan, if, if you could maybe just in a couple sentences for the listener out there, um, maybe just share a couple things, um, for somebody, uh, that is really looking to get started. Um, and, and they feel God tugging on their heart, um, to get 
started in, in ministry or, or, or just do something, what would you, what would you say to that listener? Yeah, I think I would encourage them to really, again, like we said, lean into this idea that, that God loves them, that God wants them first, that God has called them first, and to really receive in deeper ways the love of God in their own lives to the place that it's kind of is just overflowing it's spilling out and it's just like i've got to i've got to give this love away i've got to share this love away so coming from a place of abundance in god rather than a sense of i've got to do this because i'm supposed to or because someone told me to or to be relevant or to have meaning but just really make sure that they're getting the order right you know it's god who pursues first it's god who loves first and trust that if I think what God really longs for is a heart that's open, a heart that is willing, a heart that says, God, what do you care about? What is your passion? What is something that I could get in touch with that reflects your heart and your passion? And I think that openness does it all. But I think too much we miss it because we're busy. Uh We're distracting ourselves. We're numbing ourselves from the pain of the world. And in that, we don't have that, that heart that stays open to God. But, but as soon as we cry out to God and say, God, <laughs> deliver me from this life of distraction, this life of numbing, this life of running. God, deliver me. I, I want to open myself to you and your purposes. God shows up and he'll honor that prayer. And he'll show us something small, whether it's, you know, for me, I, I live uh, now in central Phoenix. I moved out of downtown. But I go to AJ's and I, there's just people there that I interact with in a daily way. You know, my homeless lady, Angela, that I'm always there to greet her. Uh, one of the, the baristas in the bakery, she always comes and says, give me something encouraging. Hmm. And so uh, two days ago, I sang a song to her, a Christian song, really cheesy song. And she just loved it. She started crying. And today she's like, give me something again. I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to sing. But I just showed her this, this video of a, a dog sledding down the snow that I saw on Instagram. Totally silly, but it was just, it was just this moment of saying, he, he, God is here, you know, and I see you and I care about you. So I would just say, stay open. But the other big thing is don't do it alone. Uh-huh. Do it in community. Find a group of people that you can hear from God together and respond to God together. Because that's how God works. He works in community. He he speaks to us in community. He loves us in community. He wants to be his hands and feet in community. Yeah, that's good. Man, Um, Stephen, (laughs) 10 seconds. What do you got? I I honestly want to pray for us. (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing you do on a podcast. I don't really care. (laughs) I just pray and pray for Ryan. Yeah. And just for everybody listening, I think it's just there's so many things that are like golden nuggets in this conversation where I'm just, I mean, it's speaking out of experience, which is very important, Ryan, but it's also the wisdom of God that I feel is just like pouring out of you. And I'm just thankful for that. So I, I can close this in prayer Yeah, man. on a podcast. There we go. I think that's great. Right. Okay. Uh, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you um, that in the shadow, Lord, of, of all that you do, Lord, it's just wonderful, Lord, just uh, to be utilized by you, uh, that you choose to work in us and through us, Lord, and that brings you great joy. Um, That is such a wonderful, wonderful thing, Lord, and and just some of the things that Ryan has talked about specifically, Lord, in uniting the church and really coming alongside of you, Lord, um, in your mission, Lord, just uh, to, to unite each one of us. Father, I'm, I'm so encouraged by it and thankful for it, Father. And I just pray blessings on his family, Lord, on Moline, Lord, on their kids. Lord, I, I just pray uh, for vision, too, for the future, Lord. I think you have some amazing plans ahead for the Thurmans, Lord. And I, I just pray that that would be something that they would be encouraged by 
and just so reliant, like he already has been, Lord, uh, entrusting you uh, for everything, Father. But we just love you and we praise you and just pray for everybody uh, and anybody, Lord, that's listening to this, Lord, that they would realize that just being a son, being a daughter is enough. It's sufficient, Lord, and that all the other things, Lord, that's just part of the Christian life. And it's a lot of fun, Lord. But just thank you, and um, we just thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and lives each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for joining us today. And uh, for those that are joining us on the podcast and listening, uh, wherever you are, thanks for taking some time out of your life to uh, join us on Urban Connect. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to go subscribe, like, uh, rate us, share it with your family, your friends, your dog, anybody that truly will listen. um, We want them to and and want you to be inspired. So uh, go and make a difference in the world today. Thanks. Thanks.